Welcome to the Authentic Discipleship Podcast, where we seek to encourage and empower you on how to make disciples in and through authentic relationships, recapturing the heart of the early church that we read about in the Bible. Our goal is simply to equip you so that you can make a life-changing difference where God has planted you all for the glory of God and the good of the world. We pray that you are blessed by this week's episode. podcast where everything we're doing uh, is encouraging, equipping, and empowering the church to make disciples through authentic relationships. And man, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I really do believe this is a an important conversation for us to have if uh, we're going to reach our context and fulfill the Great Commission. Um, so man, we're just so thankful you're with us. I want to give a quick shout out. We just uh, recently had uh, our end of the year connect group leader meeting uh, for the the springtime and man uh, just so thankful for all of our connect group leaders we successfully planted 29 or have planted 29 connect groups so just want to say uh, shout out to all connect group leaders which is our small group ministry uh, at our church man you guys uh, are amazing I appreciate who you are and what you do. Uh, But today I'm going to start a series of uh, episodes that will probably be mixed in with a couple of interviews. But I want to talk about the importance of having a disciple-making strategy. So hear that again. We got to, it's super important that we have a disciple-making strategy uh, as churches, but also uh, as believers. And so today I'm going to talk about uh, the the importance of gospel clarity, gospel clarity. So a lot of times when it comes to uh, making disciples in churches, um, there's there's oftentimes a disconnect of how that's going to happen. So let me explain. Um, if I polled uh, a lot of churches, especially in the South, and said, "Hey, do you guys want to reach people?" Do you want to make disciples, and do you want to um, be effective in the mission of God? Uh, I guarantee you, if the church, you know, knows the word and and cares about the gospel, they would all say, "Yes, yes, we want to reach people, we want to make disciples, and we want to make a difference for the mission of God." But if I followed up that question with, "Okay, well, how do you plan to do that?" Um, oftentimes there may be a very fuzzy response of, well, we're, we're just going to show up on Sunday and hope something good happens, hope people get it, hope people go out and live out the faith. And so having a clear disciple-making strategy uh, is super important for any of church to be effective in the mission of God of making disciples. Uh, so, for instance, I'm going to start with our strategy. I'm going to start with our Sunday service and really walk you through the practical how of how we have a disciple-making strategy. And I want to talk about today the importance of having gospel clarity in a disciple-making strategy, okay? And so uh, our Sunday service, it's really, really simple. Uh, We want to be able to welcome in people, uh, doesn't matter who you are, uh, where you come from, and you as the listeners, as uh, disciple-makers, we really want the church service to be a place that you can invite any friend and know that they're not going to be judged, that they're going to be welcomed as they are, 
and they're going to get to be a part of a church service um, that does several things. That one that that teaches scripture, uh, that gives relevant illustration. So in other words, uh, it's applicable to our lives. Then in our services, we're going to declare the gospel. There's going to be a gospel declaration. That means we're going to share the good news of Christ. And then lastly, we're going to give uh, everyone an opportunity to respond. Okay, So uh, one of the parts of our disciple-making strategy, and again, this is the goal not to just get people saved, but we want to make disciples. Part of that strategy is on the front end, we want to be very welcoming. We want to share the Word of God, and we want to share the gospel clearly and give an opportunity to respond. Um, and this is so, so, so important. Um, and and again, we're going to talk through the series of where to go from there. But I just want to share with everyone, um, as we talk about gospel clarity, which is the, the ability to share the gospel clearly, um, how important that is. I was thinking about a story today. Um, a guy in our church uh, had, had never really been very involved in church, had lived uh, kind of a kind of a wild life and funny story is he he came to church with his wife three times and all three times he got into the parking lot and he was so nervous that they didn't get out they drove back home so that that happened twice and then on the third time the third Sunday he showed up and was getting nervous and getting ready to leave again and someone he knew saw him in the parking lot so man now he's He's dead the rights. He's he's got to he's got to come in the church. And again, this is someone that that would say he was far from God and and lived kind of a wild life. And when he came into the church service, what he what he found was, man, this is actually um, people that I don't mind uh, sitting with or being with. I can understand the scripture, and the way he would put it, he said, man, I could I could feel the Lord working in my life. And so a couple Sundays later. Uh, this guy raises his hand and gives his life to Jesus. And from there, um, what happened is we began to want to make a disciple. And what's really, really neat is this has been five or six years. Uh, this person is now a spiritual leader in our church, right? So he's in leadership of our church. So uh, again, the importance of having a disciple-making strategy is not just to provide uh, a place for people to come and hear the gospel, but also a plan of discipleship to take someone from A to Z as it comes to meeting Christ, but also becoming a mature disciple. So uh, so today, again, I want to talk to you, the listener, and one of the strategies and some new content I've been working on is a document called Gospel Clarity. And what it is, is uh, just a simple how-to of how do I share the gospel clearly? Um, and I, I think, and, and I could be wrong, but as far as with our church and, and just the church in general, I think a lot of people uh, have a heart to, to share the love of Christ with someone or share the gospel, but don't have a practical how. How would one go about sharing the gospel. And man, I, I really, what I began to think about was, man, if we could provide just a practical guide or just a help to show someone, hey, this is how you share the gospel, um, it could make an incredible 
incredible impact. And so that's my heart, and I want to walk you through uh, gospel clarity. If you'd like to look more uh, at this, um, at this document or this information, we're going to post this on our website. Um, you're welcome to walk through it. Um, but yeah, I just want to walk you through gospel clarity, and the goal is how to equip God's people to share the gospel clearly, okay? And so um, let's dive in. First of all, uh, what is the gospel? Um, well, the gospel, according to Romans 1.16, it said, Paul says this, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. So the first thing every disciple must understand is that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Salvation does not come about by compelling arguments, charismatic speakers, our persuasiveness, but rather, according to Scripture, it is an act based solely upon the power of God. So us as disciple-makers, as we're sharing the practical how, first I want to share the what. And, and what the gospel is, is simply the good news of Christ. And it, if we share it, that message is the power of God for salvation. And this message should be a great comfort for us, but also a foundation for us as a disciple. Um, and so uh, what I want you to know is when we learn and understand the gospel for ourselves and God changes our life, um, and then we begin to learn how to share our testimony and how to declare the gospel, we're being obedient to the only part God wants us to play in salvation, right? Um, it's God that brings about life change. And what we're called to do is to simply demonstrate this good news, learn how to share this good news, and the results are up to God, that we can do this and then go to sleep knowing we've done what God wants us to do, okay? And so uh, three reasons why it's important to understand the gospel clearly. First of all, all of the Bible ultimately points to Jesus and this good news, um, that Jesus is the centerpiece. So uh, understand that the Bible, uh, the Old Testament, um, is building up to Jesus, is pointing us to the need of a Savior in Jesus. The Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's the story of the person of Jesus, the, the, the one that, that everything hinged on, this perfect um, sacrifice that was totally God in every way that died in place for our sin. And then the rest of the New Testament uh, is a response to what Jesus has done, a teaching on what we are called to do because of what Jesus has done. Okay. Also understand that the gospel is what compels us to share with others. Um, I think about my, my brother, man, and, and this is why I'm just so excited and passionate about the gospel of um, when my brother met Jesus, um, he, he was compelled right away to tell me. He, he said right away, I've got to let you know this good news that has changed my life. And through his obedience to just simply be compelled to share the good news of what Christ has done, it really made me look at my life and it made me look at, hey, do I really have a relationship with God? And then from there, that simple one life change created a domino effect in my family 
that that pins just continue to get knocked down um, because of the good news of Christ. That's what compels us to share with others. And then for those that do understand the gospel and then you begin to live it and share it, the gospel is what sustains us for all eternity. Our hope does not rest on our abilities. Our hope rests on the finished work of Christ. And man, that is just good news in every single way, okay? Um, And and so I I want you to know that. And I want to tell you, uh, talking about maturity in Christ, uh, it is very, very important that every believer, um, that we continue to learn and grow, that that is critical for every believer and a great thing. But academia and learning more should not derail us from the basics of the faith and the why behind our learning and growing. Does that make sense? So what I mean is that we learn and grow so that we can know God more and make him known to others. This is the simplicity of the Christian life. And man, it is so easy to move away from the simplicity of knowing what Jesus has done for us, responding accordingly with our life, and sharing with others. And man, um, let nothing move us from that simplicity. And that's at the heart of every disciple maker. What it should be is just we're just responding accordingly in obedience to what Jesus has done and what he has called us to do. So um, with that being said, uh, now let's walk through a practical how. So you've given back the you know, there's a, we should have a strategy. We should have a disciple-making strategy, all right? Obviously, sharing the gospel clearly is an important part of that strategy. You told me you do that in the church. Well, well, how do I do that? Well, if you want to know some of the details in an earlier episode, I believe it's episode number five, I shared the game plan um, of actually how to make a disciple And one of those things, I said, hey, it's time to share the gospel clearly. Well, now this episode, I want to talk about um, and equip you with, hey, what scripture do I go to and how do I share? Okay, so let's go. If I know it's time to share the gospel with someone and I know I have one meeting with them, always I'm going to take them to Ephesians chapter 2. Um, one through ten, and I feel like the best way, the best way I could help our listeners is I want you to pretend for a moment that you and I are sitting down over the Bible, and it's at that moment where um, it, it's time that that I'm supposed to share the gospel with you and lead you to Christ. So I think that's the best way to share. And honestly, this is what I do when when someone is at that point where I see that God's working on their heart and. And man, they're they're ready to begin a relationship with Jesus. This is kind of how the conversation goes. So let's start Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to break these verses down, and I'm going to talk with you uh, just like we were sitting in a room together. So um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins. So let's stop right there. I don't know if you guys have seen anything dead lately. Um, but man, when I pass, uh, old deer got hit on the, the interstate or something, um, all, all, all deer that get hit on the interstate, they have something in common. They're dead and they're not moving, right? And so when something's dead, uh, it has no life and nor can this dead animal wake itself up and make, make itself become alive. Well, what Paul is saying here is that 
that all of us, um, before we met Christ, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. And so what that means is, is that we didn't get dropped into the world, um, you know, sort of having a relationship with God, but sort of having this relationship with sin. No, it says that we were spiritually dead. Um, so in our sin, there is spiritually no life, okay? And so that's every single person. Think about uh, the best person you know and maybe the worst person you know. Before Christ, each person spiritually has no life. Now, verse 2, it says, "...in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient." And so he's, again, Paul here is talking to a church in Ephesus. And so they're believers, and he's saying, hey, um, in which you used to live. So this is before Christ. This is how every single person on the planet lives. Every person apart from Christ follows the ways of the world, which is simply, how can I make this more about me? Uh, how, how can I... How can I make things just better for me? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Everything is a me-centered way of looking at the world. Um, that's what the world will tell you is everything is about you. And then secondly, it says that we follow the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. This is talking about being captive to sin um, and being captive and led by the enemy, talking about Satan. So that's who he's referring to in the ruler of the kingdom there and the spirit who is now disobedient. So apart from Christ, we're dead in our sin. We live life uh, following the ways of the world, which is, hey, how can I make things all about me? And I'll step over people to do it. And then we are influenced and held captive to sin and Satan. So that sounds like a pretty bad place to be, right? And maybe for some of you, you're thinking, yep, I know what it's like to live there, or man, I, I know people that are caught in that. Um, but I want verse 3 to really hit home. He says, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, that means doing what we wanted to do, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And, and I love to talk about this because... All of us have a tendency to forget where we were before Christ met us, okay? And I love, I want you to close your eyes and think about what's the best person you know, the most spiritual person you know, the person you think is most close to Christ. Before Jesus, they were dead in their sin, and they lived gratifying the cravings of their flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And so I think it's really, really important to see that God does not have scales, that it's not a matter of being good and bad, it's a matter of death and life. And it says here that like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So because of this sin nature in us, uh, we deserve the, the wrath of God, the, the, the due punishment for the things we've done wrong. And I think all of us would agree, we've all done things we're not proud of, that innately we know, man, we, we probably deserve to get in trouble for this um, by, by God or someone uh, bigger than me. Well, that's all of us, that we were by nature deserving of wrath. So in sharing the gospel, I think it's very, very important to understand the bad news and the bad condition of sin. But verse 4, let's keep going. Uh, verse 4 is the best but in all the Bible. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy— 
made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Man, I I love that. So the gospel is not that, hey, we suddenly were dead at the bottom of the ocean. We woke up and we swam our way up to life. Um, That's not the gospel at all. Verse 4 says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. So the gospel is this. We were the people that were dead and lifeless, unable to swim at the bottom of the ocean, 10,000 feet below. And God sent Jesus Christ to swim to the bottom of the ocean and to make us alive and bring us back up. That is the beauty of the good news of Jesus. And it says that God did this because of his mercy. He's rich in mercy. He gave us that when we didn't deserve it. He made us alive even while we were dead. And it says that it is by grace you've been saved. That means unmerited favor, that God is the hero. He's the one that came down and rescued us. In verse 6, it just keeps getting better. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Um, So I I know sharing that story about being 10,000 feet at the bottom of the sea, you know, it would be kind of God to just make us alive and put us on the shore, right? Like like to bring us 10,000 feet from the bottom of the sea and put us on the shore would be kind but God, who, who is rich in grace, rich in kindness, not only does he wake us up and make us alive, he seats us with Christ in the heavenlies. In other words, he doesn't only save us from hell and death, he saves us to heaven, right? So uh, our, our souls are eternally secure in God for all eternity. Um, and and it's, it's amazing. And, and verse 8 just backs us up. For it is by grace, unmerited favor, that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So it's very, very important to hear, to share with you that that salvation happens uh, by grace through faith alone. And so faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the assurance of what we do not yet see Faith is trusting in this message, right? Uh, it is hearing this gift of God, believing it, and resting our life on it. And, and verse 9 says, it's not by works so that no one can boast. So in other words, when we receive Jesus by faith, he's the hero of our story and not ourselves. And that is what makes the gospel such good news and incredibly uh, just available for everyone. And then I want to finish with verse 10. And it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I think it's really important, um, if you're sharing the gospel with someone, as you've just made it clear that we were dead in our sin, we needed a Savior. We received that Savior by faith. He saves us not only from hell and death, but He makes us alive and saves us and makes us eternally secure. It's important for them to understand that this is received by faith, by trusting this message, repenting of sin, and saying, Jesus, I want to receive this free gift of salvation. Right? So important. And then verse 10, giving them this clear, hey, now that you're saved from your sin, you are God's handiwork, 
and you were created to do good works. So in other words, your story with Jesus doesn't just start here. I mean, it doesn't just end here. Uh, it starts here, and God has things He wants you to go do for His glory. Um, so important. Um, and, and so I just shared the, the gospel um, with you, and that is the, the basics of if you get to that point, how to share it with someone. And then I want to finish with, let's just say, the person you're meeting with, um, man, they're like, Buck, I, I'm, I, I, need to, I need to trust Jesus for salvation with my life. Um, what do I do? And it's really simple. I take them to Romans 10, 9 and 10, and this is what it says. Verse 9, it says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. doesn't say you might be. It says that if you believe this message with your heart, that Jesus is who he says he is, and you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Um, and what that means is, is admitting that Jesus, I was on the throne of my life. I was Lord. I don't want to be anymore. Jesus, I want you to be. It says you will be saved. Um, and, and then verse 10, it says, for it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And man, uh, all that's left to do from there is to simply lead this person in a prayer. If they would say, yes, I I admit I do not have a relationship with Jesus, but I want one. Um, you can lead them in a simple prayer. There's no magical way to do it. I'll just tell you personally for me, just based on Scripture, and I want to assure them that, hey, what I'm sharing with you today, this isn't coming from me. I just want to be obedient to what God's Word says um, and, and I just lead them in a prayer um, that sounds something like this. And I'll say, hey, let me pray for it. I want you to repeat after me. Uh, Father in heaven, um, I love you. God, thank you for um, this person. God, I thank you for what you're doing right now in their life. God, I thank you for um, the good news of Jesus that you uh, came to rescue us in our sin. And God, I just pray you would come into their life and make them new. And I'll say, hey, repeat after me. Lord, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, I declare you Lord of my life. Thank you for what you've done for me on the cross. Amen. Amen. And so um, from there, man, uh, when it happens, there's nothing on this planet like seeing someone uh, be saved and clearly understand the gospel and receive the good news of Jesus. And so I wanted to share that and take you on that journey. I know this has been a little bit longer episode than usual. But again, um, if, I, if I do anything uh, on these podcasts, if I can just share the gospel clearly, um, that's probably the best thing I could do. So uh, I pray you are blessed by this episode. And I want to encourage you, um, God doesn't move through powerful methods God moves through men and women that are submitted uh, to God and simply are unashamed to declare the gospel. So I pray that this uh, will be a help to you. Uh, man, for those that are liking, rating, sharing with people, it means the world to me because I, I really do uh, want to see you encouraged. I want to see uh, you and people equipped, and I want to see the church empowered to go and do the very thing God called us to do, which is to make disciples. Um, so for now, that's all I have. Can't wait for the next episode. Um, and know that I love you guys so much. And remember, we only get to do life one time. Let's live it on purpose. <laughs>